Hello there and welcome to the Friendly City Insider Podcast, your inside look at news and events from Moose Jaw City Hall. I'm Craig Hemingway, Communications Manager for the City, and on this episode, what do we do when the power goes out for hours on end? Or what if there was another type of emergency in the city? What does the city do? What should you do? And what should the city do for you? We'll answer those questions with our Emergency Services Organization Coordinator, Deputy Fire Chief Mike Russell. Also, Fire Chief Rod Montgomery will join us to share some safety tips for the holiday season. To start with tonight, we wanted to recognize, though, a pair of city employees who stepped up during the power outage. Transit drivers Gary Cousins and Terry Overs. Both Gary and Terry went above and beyond to look after their passengers. Gary made sure one of his passengers had a place to stay while her power was out. Meanwhile, one of Terry's passengers lives on the ninth floor of her building. And assuming no elevator service, Terry offered to go up there and get her to get her to her appointment. But what he didn't know was that the building did have a generator working and the elevators were in operation. But uh, some great work there. The friendly city in action, indeed. And before we get to uh, more with our friends from the fire department, let's talk about some holiday fun here in the city of Moose Jaw with Moose Jaw Parks and Recreation. The Christmas break for the kids just a couple weeks away and we have loads of extra fun lined up for the Christmas and holiday season for the whole family. To tell us more is the city's recreation program supervisor, Shelley Howe. Shelly, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Craig. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And for you, uh, tradition, I guess let's start with uh, the First Night Family New Year's Eve party, which is coming back to the Kinsman Sportsplex. Uh, a wonderful family event. For those that are unfamiliar, I guess give us uh, uh, the synopsis of what uh, we get to experience. Absolutely. We are excited to be hosting the 23rd annual First Night New Year's Eve family celebration. We uh, have a great evening planned again on the 31st of December for families, including children, parents, grandparents of all ages. We have, of course, the swimming pool is open with our inflatables and our water walk, as well as our usual diving boards and water slide, games planned for children and children of all ages. As well, our lobby will be full of games like ping pong and air hockey and uh, some special visitors uh, that will be playing games with us that day and the ice arena will be open for most of the evening as well so you can swim skate just have a great time and and this is staffed by uh, by city employees who are helping uh, you know lifeguards and people other people helping facilitate these activities absolutely yes it's uh we've got lots of uh, our lifeguard staff on duty that night and they tell me it's a great time they have a great time with all of the swimmers and playing games with families in the lobby and of course our operations staff gets everything ready to go for us and make sure our pools and our arenas are in tip-top shape for us that night well, it's important to know that and, and, and recognize, you know, those people, those workers that, that, that are there and enjoy being there because, you know, again, we're, it's an event where on New Year's Eve, people want to be with family and friends and celebrating the new year. Most of us would prefer not to be working on New Year's Eve, right? But we've got some employees who, who uh, are scheduled and they're excited about being there that night too. You bet. And uh, we, we do have a really great crew of dedicated staff and uh, we'll have those doors open for people to start coming in at 7 p.m. And we go hard all night until our balloon drop at midnight and close the doors and send everyone home by 1230. 
All right, safe and, and having had a, a wonderful time. Absolutely. So how do we get tickets for the event? You, it's pretty easy. You just need to stop in at the Kinsman Sportsplex reception desk. Anytime we're open, we are selling tickets now. And if you purchase them before Christmas, it's only $30 for a family of four, $5 for each additional family member. And after Christmas, when we reopen on the 27th of December, tickets go up to $40. So get them now. Okay, that's a great idea. Uh, and you referenced a closed Christmas Day Boxing mm -hmm. Day, open the 27th. Uh, and of course, kids off school a few days before Christmas. Uh, let's move to the uh, swimming and skating schedule for the holidays, which has been released. And of course, lots of extra available times for, again, kids and families to be busy uh, in the pool or on the rinks. You bet. So you mentioned we are actually closed at the pool and all arenas, indoor arenas in the city uh, on December 24th, 25th and 26th. So that's a great time to do some outside things, maybe make a snowman, uh, you know, go for a walk in the park. Uh, and then we'll be back at the arenas and the pools on the 27th. If folks want to check out our online schedules, we have some extended public swims, as well as we have some free skating times at the indoor arenas. Fantastic stuff. And as you mentioned, you can find uh, that information online at moosejaw.ca. And again, any of the questions, by all means, you can uh, give the Sportsplex a call and be able to fill people in. But yeah, there's lots of opportunities for, for all those things. And, and even uh, beyond uh, all the indoor fun, of course, we know uh, outdoor rinks uh, right now being prepped for use. And so far, the weather has cooperated. We're just still hoping that Mother Nature holds out. You bet. So I know that... Uh the, we've got city staff working hard on getting those ready if our weather holds. Uh, so I'd say watch for updates. Sometimes we are able to have rinks outside available over the holiday season. So keep checking back with Parks and Rec or checking the website uh, to know which ones will be available and when. And same thing if you want to uh, book Croca Curl for you and the family over the holidays. You bet. Croca Curl went over really well last year and we're expecting a very busy season. And of course that's located at Elgin Park. And uh, you do need to book it with the Parks and Rec department and uh as soon as that uh weather stays cool enough we'll be ready to go with croca curl also all right shelly is that is that it for all the holiday fun is there anything else we've missed you know there is lots and lots to do for recreation in this city and if there's something we've missed craig by all means it is on the website uh or in the schedules at the sportsplex thanks again to shelly for telling us all about that now what do we do in an emergency? And what do you need to know about the city's response and the things you can do to help navigate your way through an emergency? To give us a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at the city's response to the recent power outage and for details on how to be prepared just in case, it's Deputy Fire Chief Mike Russell, who is also our Emergency Measures Organization, or EMO, coordinator. Mike, we'll, we'll start with you uh, and uh, go back to uh, the power outage. Uh, that we just had here in Moose Jaw, which lasted for several hours. I, it There was a point where we thought this could last even longer than it did, and at that point may have had to implement some emergency measures within the community. But I guess, can you take us through what happens on your end when, uh, you know, when we realize that, okay, this could be a, an emergency situation? Yeah, what happens, Greg, is um, we've got, we get information regarding what's going on, and this one was province-wide. Uh, we have to sit down and we have to start hashing out plans, looking at what's required, uh, what's happening, what's transpiring. Uh, and then we start to get together and formulate plans with what we're going to do. And especially in a situation like this, we have to look at the, you know, the zero to 12 hours, the 12 to 24 hours, and then anything greater than that. 
Um, so we started to formulate, find out what was going on. Um, obviously, short-term forecasting as well as long-term forecasting. And then we start to put the, the puzzle together piece by piece. Uh, having said that, what we have to do is, is get in contact with certain places, find out what's going on in the province, what's going on in the city of Moose Jaw, um, what we think the outcome possibly could be, i.e. short-term, long-term, <coughs> excuse me. And then we have to start making contact with critical places, uh, finding out what we have for available resources, um, put contingency plans in place to maintain those resources, and then find out where we're going to be at in uh, you know throughout the course of the duration of of these types of events. Um, so again, like what we did here was as we started reaching out to the province, we were in constant communication with the province. Uh, we started doing it from a municipal level, started looking at resources and timelines and what we're going to need. Um, if we're going to need additional resources from the province or other jurisdictions, we reached out to other jurisdictions as well uh, and spoke with IE, the province or the city of Regina. Um, and then we start to formulate, get together as a group collectively, uh, see where we're going. Uh, we set up time frames to meet again. And then at that point, we, uh, Fire Chief Rod Montgomery and myself, started uh, formulating plans with regards to um, both short term and long term planning, which we'd bring back to. Uh, city staff at a subsequent meeting. Yeah, for sure. And I know within it was within a couple hours of the power going out, we did have our first meeting and uh, yourselves were there and, and police and, and, and city administration, engineering, and, and everybody that needed to be at that table was there to talk about all those potentials. What happens if, and if this power outage lasts into the night, you know, people will start to get a little colder in their homes, right? So what happens then? And, and, and people should know that, you know, the, there is that basic emergency plan in place for the city of Moose Jaw about finding emergency centers in those places, if it ever gets to that point. Uh, and certainly we were aware of the potential of it getting to that point. But uh, again, it's hard to put specifics on some of that because you never know where that emergency might hit. We might say location X is the place where we're going to go. But if location X is actually a place that's <laughs> in an emergency situation, it's got to be elsewhere, right? You're 100% you're right. And, and part of our plan has uh, provided for that. When we sit down as an organization, we have to have contingencies in place. Uh, and part of our plan is, is you know, if, if this is going to be a reception center or if this is going to be an area we're sending people to, what if that's the affected area? And then what's a subsequent reception area or area to send people to? Uh, so we do have that in our plan. Uh, we did make plans with regards to uh, various potential receptions areas if we did need it just because of the vast size of our community. Um, we did look at the vulnerable sector and try and figure out uh, who were the vulnerable sector and if we did have to move anybody, uh, who would be moved first, how would they be moved, what would we be utilizing to move those people, and then how would we get that out to those people. Uh, we did start to put plans in place and notify um, not people per se. We had, uh, as part of our plan, we had people understanding that we may uh, and I say when I say people like SAS Poly as uh, one of our reception areas, we made sure that they were aware that we may be going to, to the next level if this is prolonged and that we'd need to, to look at that. We were in communication with the Red Cross, um, various organizations like that, just to get the plan started so that they knew ahead of time if we were to open our EOC and have to, to move to the next level um, that we would have things in place. EOC is the Emergency Operations Center. 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, as you just said, a lot of moving parts. And, and from the city administration point of view, yeah, you mentioned, you know, how do we move people? Okay, well, do we do we have to mobilize our transit and utilize those buses to help uh, out with that operation? Our engineering crews uh, immediately, when the power is out, uh, finding as many stop signs as we had to set up as many four-way stops as we could, uh, because again, that traffic becomes an issue. There's all those things that aren't always top of mind, but you realize, yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. That's correct. And one of the key things that people wouldn't may not uh, realize is one of the key things we were looking at was fuel and fuel supplies and making contacts to see where we would have uh, an availability of fuel, uh, how would we get fuel, uh, generators, stuff like that. Um, and not just fuel for emergency vehicles, but for generators and, and generator systems. Um, we made contact to see some of the larger organizations like the hospital, what they had on hand for fuel and what their you know, were they able to be self-sufficient for the next 48, 72 hours, stuff like that. Um, how we're going to have fuel available to keep the roads clear if we do need, so if our public works um, uh, units, so that if we did need to move people, that the roads were clear. Uh, so there's a big, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot of little pieces to a big puzzle that you slowly have to put together um, to, to make sure that everything's in place so that if we do get to that next level and we have to start moving people, that it's not... Um, for better words, mass chaos. Yeah, and so a reminder uh, to everybody, of course, uh, messaging will be pushed out through the local media. So if you have a, a radio, keep it on because messaging will come through there. Follow the city on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be pushing messages out as we were uh, the day of the outage, of course. And uh, you mentioned uh, 48 to 72 hours. This is a, an excellent reminder, Mike, about uh, you know, something we promoted earlier this year during Emergency Measures Week uh, in across the country was having a 72-hour plan in your home for any emergency. Yeah, and this is a great, great time to talk about this again. We talk about it every May during emergency um, preparedness week, but it's having that 72-hour plan, knowing what to do in the event of any type of event, um, having a plan in place that your family all knows about, having supplies on hand, i.e. having water, having basically having the, the necessities for up to 72 hours to be self-sufficient if uh, we, we do go to the spot where, you know, we need that much help that helps coming from an external source coming in uh, into our community. Uh, so it, it is things like that, having enough water, having enough non-perishables that you can eat. Um, again, making sure you have flashlights, um, crank radios if you can get them or battery operated radios so you can get the messaging across. Having a plan in place that your family knows about and, and, and friends and family know about as well so that if you are in transit or you are moving people know who's accounted for and who's not accounted for. Um, just little things like that um, are, are a big part of that piece and again it's just a matter of sitting down there's lots of websites you can go to to get you know information you can just google 72 hour preparedness and you'll come up with a vast array of information on how to prepare and how to plan your family. One of the things we put out, I guess, to, to close with uh, was the term shelter in place. Uh, just if you explain that for those, it may be a little unclear as to what that is. So basically shelter in place is, is stay where you are, right? Make the best of where you are. Don't leave where you are. Um, if, if you're accounted for and in your, say you're in your home, um, don't leave your home. Again, take that plan, put it into place and, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, stay where you are. Right. Don't don't be trying to run to reception centers that aren't open yet or anything like that. Again, that leads to a, a little bit of a pandemonium type of atmosphere. Um, if you're advised to shelter in place, that means basically stay where you are. All right. 
Mike Russell, Emergency Measures Organization Coordinator here for the City of Moose Jaw. Thanks for all your work uh, uh, during the outage, Mike. And we'll uh, turn things over to uh, to Fire Chief Rod Montgomery uh, as we are here in December. Lots uh, happening, of course, to the fire department as there is well, all times of year. But, of course, as we approach Christmas time, uh, some things to remember uh, as we uh, put the lights out and, uh, and try and stay warm as the temperatures get colder too, right? Oh, exactly. And uh, just to kind of goes on what Mike was saying. Safety is a shared responsibility in this time of year. Certainly we have to look after ourselves and make sure that we're doing the right thing. So um, holiday season, we want everybody to have a good time. Uh, during those types of uh, events, we're doing lots of cooking, so we have to be safe in the kitchen. Uh, we're consuming alcohol, make sure that uh, we're drinking responsibly, even in around the home, that uh, uh, accidents are going to happen right there more likely, so uh, make sure that you're responsible. But just some basic holiday tips, I guess, Craig, is uh, Christmas trees. Of course, everybody's out buying their Christmas tree right now. Make sure you cut the end off it and you keep uh, the water supply in it. Uh, constantly monitor that. Make sure that there's water in the tree. If the needles are falling off, that you may have to uh, water some more. And then with that, you're putting electrical lights on a tree. Uh, make sure that the, the cords are properly uh, uh, in place and that they're not frayed or uh, uh, damaged in any way. So we want to make sure that that's happening. Uh, again, when you plug in your cords, whether it's into your tree or in and around different appliances, that you uh, uh, make sure that they're in the appropriate outlets and that you're not uh, using unsafe uh, uh, devices. Sure, and as it pertains to the outdoor decorations, right, people go big uh, with those things, and so that means a lot of extension cords uh, outside as well. What's the best way to handle those? Well, certainly you want to make sure that they're proper ones for the uh, for for what you're doing. So there's indoor and outdoor cords, and make sure you're using the right ones. They're insulated different, and uh, again, look for damage or anything like that if they're not if they're not proper, don't use them. And, if, and, and common sense comes into play in a lot of things we do. So when in doubt, uh, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. So uh, that would be one of the things I touch on. Again, smoke alarms, early alert, early detection, make sure they're, they're working. Check your batteries, carbon monoxide. Again, this time of year, we're using different things to heat. Of course, our furnaces, make sure that they've been checked and uh, all those types of things as well. Um, Space heaters is another one that can cause you guys to be busy when you uh, would ideally not have to be. Yeah, this time of year as the temperature drops, as you said earlier, uh, people use different devices to keep their homes warm. And space heaters, you know, general rule of thumb, give a three feet distance clearance between them. And again, make sure that they're operating properly. If the cords or anything isn't in good operation, don't use it. And the big thing, though, make sure that you give that buffer zone and don't let your kids play around uh, space heaters and that. They get extremely hot and it's all we need is a little one to put their hand on it or something. So that's not a good, it won't end well. Let's put it that way. Give your space heater space as you were give saying, your, right? Yeah, give your space heater <laughs> Don't space. put clothes around it and put it by the curtains or any of those things, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it's a good segue into the next thing is candles. We, we, we use candles uh, for decoration and different things. Again, the same principles apply if they're near curtains or uh, they're going to catch fire. So you have to be real safe with candles. You don't want young kids to play with them. The hot wax that goes with it. Make sure that the container that the candle's in is safe and it's sturdy. 
And at night, make sure you blow them out. Uh, don't leave them unattended. And certainly don't leave them unattended with children around. Because uh, uh, young kids, are they, they want to see what's going on and they, they want to explore and do different things with those candles. So it's, uh, it's important that we monitor those. All right. Archie Rob Montgomery, uh, anything else to add about uh, being safe during the holiday season? No, we want everybody to have a great time during the holiday seasons. Of course, everybody from the Moose Jaw Fire Department, we wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a fantastic New Year. So uh, be safe. Thanks to Fire Chief Montgomery, EMO Coordinator and Deputy Chief Mike Russell and Recreation Program Supervisor Shelley Howe for joining us on this episode. We'll have one more episode before Christmas. Join us next time for details on some big changes to our free New Year's Eve transit program, Wing in the New Year. I'm Craig Hemingway and thanks for listening to the Friendly City Insider.